What an honor and a privilege it is to be with you this morning and to share God's Word. I just want to just say a couple things before we start. One is this. If you're new to us, uh, this 9 and 11 thing is a little new, new to us as well, and so uh, we're still working the kinks out. We're so grateful for everybody who's been here to serve, um, and it's interesting to me. Last week, this service was packed full. And the second service was not as full, and I'm anticipating that maybe some people tried out the 9 and tried out the 11, uh, but we all know that the people that come for 9 o'clock are the real Christians, right? Right? I'm just, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Uh, thank you for stepping into some fun with worship this morning. Uh, if you weren't here when we opened up, we talked about singing songs of victory in the camp of the Lord, and uh, sometimes we get real super spiritual and kind of, hmm, and pious and all that kind of stuff, but how many of you know it's, it's, it's important to sing songs of victory in the camp of the Lord? It's important to declare, like get a little bit of funk on what we're doing and say no to the enemy and yes to God in a declaring kind of way. And so I just invite you into that, whether you've been here for years or this is your first time with us, that you just step into the authority that God has given you to sing, uh, to declare. He's our shield in our, in our song. He's our victory in our song. He is literally our song. And so as we raise songs of victory, we are honoring the Lord. We're honoring the Lord. We're honoring his presence in this place. We're honoring his victory that he's already done. And we're prophesying to our lives. We're prophesying to a region. We're prophesying to a church. And we're saying, come alive and walk in victory. And that's pretty darn exciting. And so I just encourage you to enter into that excitement. And also, you may have heard something Pastor Jordan referenced it, about conference. We had a freedom conference this weekend. If you were here, you, uh, you, if you were here, you might be tired, but I'm sure you enjoyed it. Um, people are like, what is this freedom conference thing and what in the world happened to my friends? Uh, let me just say this. If you're invited to be part of a freedom group, you want to do that. Uh, some of them are really good groups. They're all great groups, but some of them are really good, like really, really good. Some of them serve food. I'm not saying which ones, but I'm just saying some of them serve food. But there's uh, an opportunity at the end of those freedom groups of, to come together and just walk through what freedom looks like, to bring things before the Lord and let him instruct our hearts. And oftentimes we get afraid of what that looks like. I heard that somebody, some people have been saying, like, what is this freedom thing? I, th- I heard you just come and spill your guts. Well, I don't know about you, but the best place to spill your guts is in the presence of Jesus, right? And to receive, like, when we empty ourselves of all the stuff we carry, what do we get? We get his stuff. And what did Jesus say about his stuff? He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. There's a difference between running at 250 pounds and running at 210 pounds. I know the difference. It, both of them get the work done, but one feels a whole lot better. And the Lord is releasing us from burdens that we carry, that people put on us, that we put on ourselves, and he's bringing us into a place of freedom, not so that we can walk around going, look at me, I'm free, but so we can walk around and say, look at what Jesus has done. Look at the freedom he's purchased for my life. Would you like it as well? I just want to encourage you, whether you came to Freedom Conference or not, the work of the Spirit is to declare his goodness in us and through us. And so just talk about what God has done for you. And if somebody talks about the freedom that they've received through this, don't 
think that that's exclusive to them because it's a testimony of what God could do for you. And so, we like to be Americans and pretend we're the freest people on the planet. But what would it look like to be really free? Step into it. Step into it. I have a question for you. Have you ever encountered somebody who thought they were super special? Or, or knew, like knew that they were super special? We, we, we frequently use language like this. I am God's gift to women. Did you ever meet somebody that thought that? <laughs> Did you ever meet someone that thought that they were God's gift to men? Like a, like a woman that just acted like, I, I don't owe you anything because I'm the stuff. Have you ever thought you were super special? You know, generally, we don't like those kind of people. And that's putting it mildly. They're off-putting, right? Right? We, we, we tend to, maybe not out loud, but inside we say, who do, who do you think you are? What makes you so special? Um, I know a family uh, who has this really inc- incredible motto, motto for their family. It's not my family. My family has a motto. My fa- family's motto is every day is a work day in the Hamlin house. My children love reciting it. It's their favorite. I, I, I don't apologize because that was the motto that was given to me. So, you know, you get to live in that too. But I knew a family whose motto was this. And I'm not going to use their name. I'm going to substitute my name in there, our family name in there because I want to honor them. But this was their family motto. I can do all things because I am a Hamlin. Wasn't I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It was I can do all things because I am a, and they put their last name there. And I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, like they were a church family. And I was like, what? Like, who, who, who do you think you are? And here's the thing. They really believed it. Like it wasn't like something they said to like build themselves up and like maybe someday strive to greatness. This family, from the top down, every single one of them, knew that they were flipping awesome. And that there was nothing that could stand in their way. And that they could do anything they put their minds to. And probably stuff they didn't even put their minds to. With a, their hand, one hand tied behind their back and their eyes closed. They just knew that they were a special family. And if they ever happen to be listening to this message, I want them to know they are a special family. And I don't mean that like, oh, you're special. Like, I mean, they were really spectacular. There was something about believing that they had what it took to face anything that they saw. Now, I get it. They, they were taking Scripture out of context and were strengthened by Christ, not just by the family that we belong to. But there's something about understanding who we are and the access that we have and being special that we can tap into. Because I want to tell you something this morning, and I think it will transition and transform our lives. You are special. Some of you are like, yeah, you're, you're right, we're special. <laughs> yeah, tell my husband that again. But I want, to say, I want to say this very clearly. You are an incredible people anointed by God, called out of darkness 
and into light. You are the tabernacle, the dwelling place of the Spirit of God on earth. And because He has saved you and redeemed you and filled you with His presence, you are incredibly special and valuable to the earth. So that you can literally say, I can do all things because of Christ, because I have his name, because I am a Christian. Not in a prideful way, not in a way that's haughty or thinks that somehow, you know, you are God's gift to the earth, but <laughs> that God's gift to the earth is Holy Spirit, his very, his, his very nature. And where, who is he? He is dwelling with us. And so that sets us apart and makes us different. It's not because of who you are, it's because of whose you are that you are special. He's put his name on each one of us who have put our trust in him, and he calls us special. Last week we talked a little bit about that. We talked about being chosen. We're in a series called Kingdom of Priests, and we looked at last week how we are priests in God's kingdom, and we looked at uh, 1 Peter 2.19. That's the scripture that we're using for this series, and here's what this scripture says. But you are not like that. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. And now you can show others the goodness of God who called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. And we talked last week, what does it mean to be chosen by God? What are we chosen for? What are the, and we learned what the priestly duties are, what the functions of a priest are. And here are the three primary functions. We'll go over it as we go over this series because it tells us what it ought to look like in our lives. The first thing is this, we were chosen to be with him. The primary function, if we are a royal priesthood, if we are priests unto God, the chosen uh, people, we are chosen to be with him. Priests are called to be with him. Second thing is this, we're called to represent his authority in the, and order in the world. If we are God's priests, it's not just to be with him and put on robes and sing Gregorian chants and be off in some monastery somewhere, but to invade the earth with his presence and declare and enforce and live out of his authority. And the third function is this, we are to serve his creation. We are to minister his love and his care and his power, not just to the earth, but to every person that inhabits the earth. As the priests of God, we have been called to minister and serve as Christ in the earth. But I want to talk about this morning another part of that verse. We are chosen, we are royal priests, but we are also a holy nation. God's very own possession. And what that means is this, we have been set apart. And it's important for us to understand as believers in God, that we are not only special, but we are set apart. We are different. Look at your neighbor and tell him, you are different. Children often struggle with this when they grow up in a home that honors the Lord, and everything's great when they're at home, 
and we control the atmosphere. But at some point, our children will leave the atmosphere of our home, and they will encounter another realm, another atmosphere, another culture. And oftentimes, that atmosphere and that culture looks intriguing just simply because it's different. Do you remember the first time we were ta- I was talking with some people yesterday, we were talking about our favorite movies, and then it we made a movie reference, and somebody who was younger didn't understand that movie reference, and we started saying, oh, well, like, somehow it ended up like the childhood shows that we watched, and each one of us uh, recounted the first childhood show that we watched that we knew we weren't supposed to watch. Think about it for a minute. You probably remember the first time you watched something, saw something, did something that you knew was different than the culture that you were given by your children. You knew, I'm not supposed to do this, but there's something intriguing about it. I'm going to tell on myself right now. I remember what that show was. It, don't worry, Dad, it's not The Simpsons. That, that sin didn't come into my life until I was in college. So. But I remember watching a show, and I don't even think I was told not to watch it. I just realized as I was watching it, this is probably not a show my parents would enjoy me watching. You're all like on pins and needles, like, tell us the show, Pastor Josh. The show was The Wonder Years. Because in the very first episode, Kevin kissed Winnie. And I remember watching that going, someday there will be a girl sitting next to me in the woods. And I'll get to kiss her. And it'll be glorious. Now, just a little bit of information for you. That show in the 80s was about the 60s. That's like us now watching a show about the early 2000s. But there's something in our lives that looks different. We encounter a different culture, and it's alluring to us. The truth is this. God has called us to live in a different culture and with a different mindset than the world. He's called us to be set apart and to be different. And the very first thing we have to settle in our lives and with our children and as we raise up a culture is that we will be different. We can expect to be different. And if we look like everybody else in the world, we will probably have to come to terms that we are not looking like God wants us to look. Because the people of God are his chosen people, and we are holy, we are set apart, and we are different because of what he's done in our lives. And if we, if we struggle with that, we will continue to struggle to be the priests that God has called us to be. Because we're living halfway in and halfway out, and Jesus calls it lukewarm. And he says in Revelation, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be spit out of anything. And so Jesus calls us to this place of being royal priests, different. It's something that he has called his people to for generations as he has walked with people and called people out of the world and unto himself. We looked at that last week about how he called the people of Israel out. And even among the people of Israel, he called another group out as well. In Leviticus chapter 20, verse 24, he says this, But I have promised you, you will possess their land because I will give it to you as your possession, a land flowing with milk and honey, I am the Lord your God. And we read that and we're like, yes, God, give me the promised land. How many of you want to go to the promised land? I mean, not like Israel, literally, although how many of you would like to go to Israel sometime? All right, start saving your money. $10 a week, start putting it away. We're going to go to Israel. Seriously. 
But we all, we all have a promised land, a place of promise, a place of provision, a place of abundance, a place of the flourishing of the Spirit of God in us that God is calling us to. How many of you want to go and live in that place where the power of God is evident, where there's no worry or want, where we can live with the, the, the truth of who God is in community and everybody succeeds in that place? God's calling us into that place. We love it. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. I've said it before. What was God promising them? He was promising the ingredients for ice cream. He says, I'm taking you to the good place. But what did he say? He said, because I am the Lord your God, who has what? Who has set you apart from all other people. God is building a people to possess his kingdom. He is setting us apart so that we can possess him. And if we read this, we can read it as either a prophetic burden or a prophetic blessing. When you tell your children when they encounter a different culture, hey, we're different because we're believers, that can be a prophetic blessing to them or a, or a prophetic burden to them. When I say that to you this morning, when the Lord says it to the people of Israel, I am taking you and I'm setting you apart. They had a choice to receive that as a prophetic blessing or a burden. How we see it, how we receive it, what we choose is really important. Because our mindset will keep us from it being a blessing in our lives. Have you ever struggled with the goodness of God? You're like, yeah, yeah, I want that, but I don't know if I want to walk in what God has for me to receive that. God intends it to be a blessing. So how do we do that? How do we live chosen? Many of you would say, I know God's chosen me. I know that I'm supposed to be a royal priesthood. I know that I'm supposed to be a chosen people. I know that I'm supposed to be set apart. I know that I'm supposed to possess this land of abundance in the kingdom, but I don't know what it looks like. I live in the in-between. I am who he says I am, but I'm not yet who he says I am. Right? We sing that song, I am who you say I am, and we're like, yeah, I, re- I think I am who I- you say I am, but there's some part of me that isn't who you say I am. You following me? Okay, I get it. I, I want to be there. I know that he's called me to. I know what he's called me to, but I don't live in the fullness of what he's called me to. God gives us the answer. In Leviticus chapter 20, verse 7, he says this, So set yourselves apart to be holy, for I am the Lord your God. God calls us set apart. God calls us to be set apart, but he gives us the answer of how we are to live in the set apart. He says, set yourselves apart to be holy. In Leviticus 20, 26, he says, you must be holy because I am the Lord. I, the Lord, am holy. I have set you apart from all other people to be my very own. If we are going to be God's people, we have to know that we are set apart. Not only set apart by God, but we have to decide to be set apart ourselves. God's people must be set apart. What do we mean by set apart? We mean consecrated. Isn't that a real complicated way to say set apart? means to be holy, to be different, to be other, to be special, to be removed from one thing and given to something else. Priests are set apart. In Leviticus 21, verse 6, God speaks to the people. He said, this is what 
is put upon the priests even beyond the people who are set apart. He said they must be set apart as holy unto their God and must never bring shame on the name of God. They must be holy for they're the ones who present the special gifts to the Lord, gifts of food for their God. See, in the Old Testament, there was a group of people who were priests and they were the only ones who were given to this. They were the only ones who were allowed to present offerings to the Lord. So the people of God were set apart, and even among the people of God, there were priests that were set apart, and they were even more set apart. Do you know how set apart they were? They were so set apart that God had rules for them about haircuts. You're going to have a different haircut than other people. How you trim your beard is going to be different than other people. I don't know about you, but I don't like people telling me what kind of haircut to get. Do you remember growing up and you went to the barber and he said, hey, what do you want? And you told him and he just gave you the same haircut that he always gave you? God says, listen, if you're going to be my people, if you're going to be priests unto me, in the Old Testament, they were set apart in their clothing. You have to wear different clothes. How many of you had to wear different clothes growing up than your friends? Because your parents didn't have the resources to buy all the other stuff, right? Priests are different in their clothing. They're different in their haircuts. They're literally different in their romance. They, the priests in the Old Testament were only allowed to marry certain people. You, everybody else was free. There were rules for them, but the rules for priests were even more. They were called to a higher standard. They're like, hey, don't even date those girls. You can't even think about marrying. Even among the people of God, you can't think about marrying. You have to marry within the role of priests. They're set apart. They're different. God even had rules for them in their bodies. They, they were not allowed to attend to dead people except if they were the very closest family relations to them. God said, listen, you are going to be set apart, but he calls us to be set apart as well. How do I know? Because Jesus was set apart. In John chapter 10, verse 36, Jesus says this, why do you call blasphemy when I say I'm the son of God? How many of you know to say this, you're the son of God is a pretty pompous statement? Guess what? You are sons and daughters of God. Jesus walked around saying, I'm the son of God, and it really ticked people off. Who who do you think you are? You are speaking blasphemy. And Jesus said, why do you call it blasphemy when I say I'm the son of God? I mean, that was his reality. That is reality. And then he said this, after all, the father set me apart and sent me into this world. He's like, I know who I am. I know what I've been called to be. I know how different I am. I have been set apart. Jesus was set apart, but believers are also set apart. In Acts chapter 26, verse 18, Paul is recounting to Felix about his calling. And he he says, listen, this is what Jesus said to me. So the words I'm reading are Paul speaking to somebody else about what Jesus said to him. And Jesus said to Paul that his calling was this, to open their eyes that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will see forgiveness of their sins and being given a place among God's people who are set apart by faith in me. How do you and I become set apart? We don't become set apart because we say, hey, I'm a Christian and I'm great and I'm wonderful and you got to see me as different. We're set apart because God has called us out of darkness and into light. He called us out of brokenness into wholeness. He called us out of death into life. He called us out of sin into a life that's different. He called us apart. He set us apart. And he gives us forgiveness of sins and gives us a place among his people. And that was what Paul was called to in his calling. And that's what we're called to as well. To know who we are and to declare to other people and invite them in. 
to the same specialness. God's literally designed us to build a giant divine clique. I'm in. Are you in? Now, see, here's the problem. People fight over this all the time. There's been a movement over the last 10 years to criticize any believer who says, hey, we're in and you're out, and it's not about being in and about being out. Listen, it is about being in and out, but here's what we're called to do as believers. We're called to say and live differently and say, we are in and you are out, but we don't stop there. We say, you can come in too, please. We compel you in the name of Jesus. Be reconciled to God. And so God sets us apart, not so that we walk around being all hoity-toity about it. I never thought I'd say hoity-toity from the plate. <laughs> but so that we can invite others into that set-apart nature as well. Paul gives instructions to Timothy, a young leader in Ephesus who he left in that city. He says, this is what it looks like to be set apart. He says, he says to him in 2 Timothy 2, 19 through 25, but God's truth stand firm like a foundation stone with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his. And all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. If you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Your life will be clean, and you'll be ready for the master to use you in every good work. So run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the name of the Lord with pure hearts. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone and able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. What you need to see in this is that as Paul is writing to Timothy, as God said to the people of Israel, I have set you apart and now it's your choice to cooperate with being set apart. You and I have a choice on the regular if we're going to be a people that are set apart. What does it look like to be set apart? What are the places that God has called us to be set apart? I'm going to give you a, a quick list this morning. How, do we, how should we be set apart? How should we think of ourselves as different? In what way should we act different and intentional and choose to be set apart? The first is in this. We're set apart to holiness. I'm sorry, set apart to habitation. We're set apart to habitation. Scripture here says God knows those who are his. God has called you not to be an orphan running around living your own life outside of his kingdom. He has called you to live with him. He's called you into a family. You and I were made to be with him. In Psalm, 17, or Psalm 15, you can read it later. I won't read it this morning. But basically, it answers the question, God, who may dwell with you? The people that may dwell with him are those who are set apart, holy people. Who, who are the people that enjoy God's presence? The people that enjoy God's presence are people that are willing to be different. 
You, you know this. You've lived this before. There are times when you are aware of God's presence and you, you are walking with him. And there's other times where you've gone four, five, six days and you haven't recognized God's presence because you're just doing life. You're living your life. The people of, who enjoy God's presence are the ones who are set apart, who choose to be with the one who chose to be with them. We're set apart to habitation. Let me say this. Scripture uses this language in Timothy. It says, in a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver. Listen, the home that you have been called to is a wealthy home. The kingdom that you've been called into is a wealthy kingdom. Some of us are uncomfortable with that. We've been sold a bill of goods that it's honorable and righteous to be poor. I'm not talking about material things. I'm not talking about what's in your checkbook right now. I'm talking about the attitude that is upon your heart. You have not, you have not been called into a home of a poor dad. Your dad is wealthy. He thinks wealthy. He gives wealthy. He acts wealthy. Some of you are looking at me like, because in our culture, wealthy people are seen as jerks, right? And or we get jealous of them. And so we dishonor what they've done or the, the, the money that they've accumulated, the wealth that they've accumulated. And if we're not careful, we'll do the same thing with God. We will not honor the wealth of our Father, and therefore we won't have access to that wealth in our lives. God has called us to live in a wealthy home with him. It's like an orphan that gets adopted into a wealthy home and doesn't get it right away. That's why the, the, the movie, the play, whatever, Annie is so powerful, right? Like she gets it at some point. Like I'm not living with anybody. I'm living with Daddy Warbucks. I get whatever I want. Now, the truth is God is working on our wants so that they reflect the kingdom. But you have to understand, we serve a wealthy dad. We live in a wealthy home. The first thing we've been called to and set apart for is habitation. The second thing is hearing. You and I have been set apart for hearing. The people who hear God's voice are the ones who set themselves apart to hear. Scripture says God's truth stands Firm. God's word is heard and understood by those who are set apart. Have you ever heard somebody say, maybe you've said it too, no condemnation, but we'll get some re- revelation here. Have you ever said the word of God is hard to understand? You're all looking at me like, no, pastor, I have never done that. Every time I open the word, it's wisdom and revelation. Don't you understand? Paul prayed that I would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation, and I walk in that spirit every day. In fact, I, I wake up at 5.30 in the morning, tired, and as soon as I open the Word of God, my mind comes alive, and I don't even need coffee. And I understand every word perfectly. In fact, I'm just here to listen to you because you need someone to be here to listen to. But I know it all already. 
No, we struggle sometimes with the Word of God not being easy to understand or we read something and it doesn't hit us right or, or we, we read it and we just glaze over it because we're exhausted and we're just doing our religious duty. But the truth is this. If we want to hear God's voice, it's not difficult. We just have to be set apart. When we are busy hearing other voices, when we don't remove ourselves to hear from Him, we will hear everything else and it will become more and more difficult to hear. But the truth, and the good truth is this, that if we will set ourselves apart to hear, His voice will get more familiar and more familiar and more familiar and His truth will stand more and more in our lives. You and I have been set apart so that we can hear, but it's up to us as well to agree with that, to make the choice to set ourselves apart so that we can hear more and more. Some of us are waiting for God to just magically go, bam, it's all there. And the truth is this, he has done everything necessary, but now it's up to us to cooperate with him and walk in that. If you want to hear his voice, set yourself apart. Set some time apart. Wake up at 5.30 if you need to. If you can't wake up at 5.30, wake up at some point. Get the cup of coffee, take a cold shower, drink a cold cup of water, whatever it takes, set yourself apart and say, God, I'm here to hear from you. And the people who are set apart will hear from God. We're set apart to habitation. We're set apart to hearing. And we're also set apart to holiness. You and I are set apart to holiness. Now, we've all met people who are holier than thou. And we don't like them. We've all met people who are holier than thou, and we don't like them. Like when, our, when the brother or sister that we grew up with all of a sudden gets holy, we get a little annoyed, don't we? Like, you can't tell me how to live my life. I've watched you live yours. But the truth is this. We haven't been set apart to continue to live in that spiral of brokenness and say, well, I'm just human, I'm just a sinner, saved by grace. We are saints. We've been called out of darkness and into light. We've been freed from the power of sin. And so God calls us to live holy lives. Now here's the big lie, that you can do this on your own. See, holier than thou people think that somehow they've earned it and they've done it. We've all done it, right? We can say, oh, I know somebody who's holier than thou. We've done it ourselves. We've walked through our day thinking, I am killing it for Jesus and then something goes wrong and we lose our Christian witness. The truth is this, we cannot do it on our own. That's one big lie. The second big lie is this, that we're better because we're holier. Well, I, I haven't thought any bad thoughts today, so if I get in a fight with my wife, I will win. Because I am holy and better than you. Now, we laugh at that, but the truth is sometimes we walk around like that as believers. We think because we believe the lie that somehow we've accomplished it, we believe the lie that somehow our holiness makes us better than other people. The truth is this, we are not better because we're holy, but we are set apart to be holy, and God has called us to holy. Another big lie is, how many of you have experienced this? God, you feel like God uses you the most. You feel God's presence the most when you are the least holy. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, your life is in shambles, you have made some horrible choices. You come into God's presence and 
church and all of a sudden you feel like God just uses you powerfully. You can hear his voice like never before. Anybody else experience that? And you're like, what is this, God? Do I gotta like sin to get you to move in my life? The truth is this. The reason why he's moving so powerfully in your life is because you know your desperate need. You need his holiness and because you cry out to him, he, he fills you because he's just that good and gracious. He doesn't need you to earn the holiness. He needs you to walk in the holiness. So when we're desperate for him, when we know our need, when we know our weakness, but we walk in the power of the Spirit, we walk holy. Paul tells Timothy to run from anything that stimulates youthful lusts. Now, we all, we all know what youthful lusts are, don't we? It's like Joseph in the home of Potiphar serving. And Potiphar's wife comes up to him and is like, hey, Joseph, you're good looking. My, my husband has put you in charge of everything, and he hasn't denied you anything. And guess what? He's not going to deny you me either. This is in my mind what she was doing. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she had like a, 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 an Egyptian hot tub, and she was like, hey, Joseph, come on in. I, I don't know. Maybe she was, you know, drinking some good Egyptian wine. She's like, hey, come have a bottle with me. But he took off. He took off running. She grabbed him, and he's like, uh-uh. And he did that thing that kids do where they, like, get out of their clothes real quick and keep running. He did that. He did that. So listen, the, the, the point of this story is it's funny, but I want to tell you this. Pull a Joseph when sinful, youthful lusts come. Whatever it is for you, you know what it is. It might be other relationships that are illegitimate. It might be a substance that, you're, 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 that lures you in your life. It might be gossip that comes around. Whatever it is, it might be power. In this case, I don't think it was necessarily just the youthful lust of passion that he was talking about, but the youthful lust for power, the youthful lust to be right, the youthful lust to be seen as the one who's in charge, right? The one who has their stuff together. He says, flee those lusts. Whenever that comes, pull a Joseph. Run as fast as you can. And if you gotta run naked, run naked. Just get away from it. To live holy. Saying, I am done with sin. I don't care what it takes. I don't care how embarrassing it is. I'm running away from it. We've been called to be set apart in holiness. Four, we've been called to be set apart in terms of honor. We are special utensils for honorable use. We're the good china. Did you ever grow up in a home that had good china and it never got used? And you're like, why do we even have it? Listen, the good china in God's house gets used. It gets used often, but it gets better looking and better looking and better looking with age. You were created for honorable uses. What does that mean? It means every good work. Whatever you think of in the kingdom is powerful, God set you apart for that. Whatever you think of in the kingdom is useful, God has set you apart for that. There is nothing of the kingdom that is not available to you and to me. God has made it all available, but he's also given us the choice. Do you want to be used to lay hands on the sick and see them healed? Set yourselves apart for it. How do you set yourself apart for it? Start praying for the sick to be healed. <laughs> do, you want to use, do you want to be used by God to lead people to salvation? Is that an honorable thing? 
How many of us would come in here next week if every one of us led someone to Christ and they brought them to church, wouldn't be walking in here high as a kite? Like, come on in. This is my church. Check me out. Sit right here in this place of honor. We would love it, right? How do we get used to bring people to Jesus? We start telling them about Jesus. We have to choose to enter into what God has called us to do. We are set apart to honor, to every good work. We're fifth set apart for helpfulness, if the worship team can come. We're set apart for helpfulness. Instead, we are to pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace to be able to enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord. We're called to serve in a way that's helpful. Did you ever have somebody take care of something for you and they weren't helpful at all? I really wish you could see what I see while I preach. I love asking questions like that and watching couples. Have you ever just stopped asking your husband or wife to do something for you? Because, like, it just would be better to do it yourself. Like, you'd love to have somebody do it, but they got to do it right. <laughs> Some of you are looking at me like you got PTSD because... <laughs> not from the asking, but for not doing it right. Right? <laughs> like, you live in a relationship, you're like, I can't do anything right. <laughs> I keep trying to serve him, and I, I can never make that dinner like his mom made. <laughs> right? Listen, when we are called into his kingdom and when we set ourselves apart, we are set apart to helpfulness. A lot of us are running around trying to do things for Jesus without his power. We're try- we, we watch other people and we watch what's good and we're like, okay, I'm gonna do that, but we never set ourselves apart to receive the power of God to do it, and so we do it in our own strength, and what happens when we do it in our own strength, we most of the time don't do it right, and the second, we exhaust ourselves in doing it. And all Jesus is asking us to do is to cooperate with him, to say, God, my day is yours, my time is yours, my talent is yours, my money is yours, my service is yours. And we, that doesn't mean we say all that and then go out and do our own agenda. We stop and we wait for his power and we do what he's asked us to do. When we do what he's asked us to do, he will give us the power to do it. Whether it's small or large. But if we run out ahead of him, if we don't set ourselves apart, if we just try to do what we think we ought to do, if we live according to the world's standards, if we don't walk set apart don't give ourselves to the Lord and we just live our own way, we will continually be frustrated and exhausted. And the sad thing is we blame God for that. God, I'm doing what you asked me to do. God, this isn't fair. God, are you, are you even good? And he's like, would you just stop long enough to set, let me set you apart, to cooperate with the setting apart and just do what I've asked you to do? And the last way that we are to be set apart as the people of God is in harmony. Paul tells Timothy, have nothing to do. He says, again, I say, don't get involved in foolish arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. 
able to teach and patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth and God will change those people's hearts, perhaps, and they will learn the truth. God has called us to harmony, not so much so that we have peaceful lives, but so that the enemy's work is destroyed in our lives. How many of you know that disharmony in your home or in a church or in a business is not of God? The enemy loves to come and cause division and to sow discord and to make us fight over stupid stuff. How many of you have fought over stupid stuff in the last week? And like you get to that fight and you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm like ready to go because this matters to me. And you're like, mm. And it really doesn't matter. We spend all this time and this energy on trying to be right. And God calls us to live in harmony with people. Now listen, this is not where we say, yeah, live in harmony with me. <laughs> What's the instruction? The instruction is to us. It's to choose to walk in harmony. What does that require? It requires humility. Yeah, they should be humble. <laughs> no, no, no. We, we're the ones that have choice for our lives of whether or not we'll walk in helpfulness. If your spouse or your coworker or your brother and sister in Christ or your children are difficult, don't wait for them to get undifficult. Just walk in harmony. Walk in peace and start by walking in humility. Set, choose to be set apart. Well, as soon as they do, then I... No. We're different. We're set apart. So that the kingdom of God could come among us. What happens when we walk this way? Verse 26. Then they will come to their senses and escape the devil's trap, for they've been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. So here's the question for us this morning. It's a real simple question. The truth is God has called us to be set apart. He's done everything necessary to set us apart. Will you choose to cooperate with him to be set apart? Close your eyes with me for a minute. For some of us in this place, we have never responded to God's call to live with him, to be his kids. The call to you this morning is to be set apart in habitation. God's done everything necessary to bring you into his family. It's just a matter of agreeing with him and choosing to be in his family. And there might be some people here who have chosen to be part of his family before, but right now you're running around like an orphan. You have a home to go to. You got a bed to sleep in. You got food to eat. You got a family that loves you, and you are choosing to do it your own way. And God's saying, come home, come home, come home. So whether you've had the home before and you're running away, or this is the first time, the invitation to you is to say yes to, to choose the family of God because he's chosen you. If you're here this morning and that's you, I want, to, I want you to do something bold, to make a choice that's bold, to, to, because you can do this quietly to yourself, but at some point you've got to choose to say, I'm different, I'm set apart, I can do all things, not because I'm a Hamlin, but because 
I'm part of God's family. And if you're here this morning, God's calling you. You know it. He's turning in your heart right now. Your heart is beating faster. And you feel him calling you in. And if you want to say yes to him, yes, I will say yes to being part of your family. I will come home to you, Jesus. Then I want you to just raise your hand to make a bold statement. You are choosing to say yes to the call to be set apart, to be part of God's family. Is there anybody here this morning? All right, let me encourage you with this. This is not yelling at you as your pastor. Look at me for a minute. Will you put your heads down a second? Look at me for a minute. This is, this is serious. I'm not yelling at you. Okay? Everybody clear? See the smile? It's not a fake one. What would it look like to fill this place with people that need to come home? Let me encourage you to think about who it is that you know that needs the call home. And just invite them to church. Bribe them with breakfast. <laughs> Tell them you'll mow their lawn in the winter. They'll forget. I mean, in the summer. They'll forget by the time you get there. Whatever it takes to get them into this place. I mean, mow their lawn, like, if they call you out on it. But do you know what I'm saying? Like, what would it look like to, for, to, to be a people that know how precious it is to be set apart and to invite others to do that. This is the easiest way to do it. Bring them here. I'll talk to them. You don't even have to talk to them about Jesus stuff. Just invite them to church. Tell them we just went to 9-11 so the services are only an hour and a half. Whatever, like whatever it takes. Now you can close your eyes. But what about for the rest of us? What about for, we're in, we've said yes to being part of God's family, but what about hearing? Listen, I'm gonna mention each one of the things very quickly that we talked about this morning. If this is you, I wanna encourage you right now, when I say it, to stand up and come to this altar to pursue Jesus. If you're here this morning and you want to say yes to hearing God's voice, you want to say yes to being set apart to his voice, being prominent in your life, I want you to stand up and come down here right now. If you are here this morning and you want to say yes to God's holiness, you're saying, God, I am willing to live a different lifestyle. I am forsaking my evil or my youthful desires. I'm forsaking those things that bring death into my life and I'm setting myself apart. I am choosing you. Then come down here now. If you are here this morning and you want to be used for every good work, you have walked the Christian life, but you realize there is a lack of of uh, power in your life for what God wants to do. There's been parts of God's kingdom that have been closed off to you and you want to say, God, I'm setting myself apart so that you can use me in powerful ways for honorable things. If you are here this morning and you want to set yourself apart for helpfulness, you want the power of God like never before, then now come down. If you are here this morning and you are willing to say, I have lived in such a way that I want to be right more than I want to live in harmony with my brothers and sisters or my family or my coworkers, or somebody in my life, or my spouse, and you're saying, I am setting myself apart to harmony. I'm choosing a new attitude, a new purpose. I'm going to live in harmony with my parents, yes, Lord. with my children. Yes, Lord. I'm setting myself apart.
fresh fire, Lord. Jesus, you see your people here. And we haven't come because we can set ourselves apart. We've come because you have called us set apart. But we are here right now recognizing that we have a choice in the matter with you. And we are saying yes to being set apart for you. We are saying yes to every one of these things. We are literally leaving where we were and coming forward as an act of our will to say yes to being set apart, to being different. And we trust you that in this move, you will meet us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Dan is going to come now to close the service, but here's what I want to invite you to. There is plenty of time before other people are going to come in. If you want prayer, if you want to worship the Lord, you want to, you want to settle this thing, you want to talk to him for a little bit about what this looks like, this place is the place to do that. Thank you, Lord. Don't make it a, hey, I, I checked the box and I'm going to run out. Literally spend some Thank time you, set Lord. apart yes. with him Thank to you. hear from his voice. Thank Pastor. You, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. As we prepare to go, just a reminder, the ushers are at the doors for giving. Uh, if you're a guest today, you are under no obligation at all to give, but if God's done something in your heart and you want to respond, we're more than willing to uh, receive that. Uh, again, for guests, there's some wonderful people in the lobby that have a gift for you. Uh, you don't want to miss out on that. Take a moment and step back there after you finish business here. Small groups are beginning soon. There's going to be a lot of freedom groups. Make sure you're aware of that. Sign up if you haven't already for the weekly New Covenant email so you know what's happening. You'll see the things as soon as they're posted. You can sign up for that on the website. You can find out how to do that again in the lobby or on the screens. The prayer team is available. There is still an overflow, a residue of freedom flowing in this place from the prayer and from the Freedom Conference the last two days. The last seven days there's been stuff going on here. Uh, there's an incredible anointing flowing. There's an incredible ease of receiving fresh fire, fresh anointing, fresh repurposing, fresh flow of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to take a take. I want to encourage you. Just take advantage of that. Take a moment during the Freedom Conference. People had opportunity to be anointed probably ten times or more during that conference. And every time, God did something incredible for each person. Don't miss out. Father, I thank you that you're here. I thank you for these people. I thank you that they have come here to hear your voice. They have come here to seek your, uh, a deeper relationship with you. They've come here to hear your word and to yield to it, to obey. They've come here that you can take them further into your kingdom purposes for their lives. So, Lord, as we release them today, I release them with blessing. I release them with purpose to go and to do what you've called them to do, to pray as you've called them to pray. Your kingdom come, Lord. Your will be done, specifically for the people you bring into their lives, for the situations you have them encounter. Lord, show them your glory this week, I pray. Continue to bring us, each one of us, Lord, to our knees before you. Continue to give us that heart to say yes when you grab our attention. 
and tell us to the left, to the right, turn it on, turn it off, pick it up, put it down, whatever it is you're speaking, Lord, that our hearts would be quick to obey because we're set apart for your purposes. In Jesus' name, God bless you. You are